0: Welcome to the Grind Podcast, we're here with Ever esports organization, a North American organization that helps content creators and esports enthusiasts in Overwatch, League of Legends, COD, and Smash, and probably more to come in the future. I bring on people from the org to discuss esports, the amateur scene, and basically whatever we feel like talking about. So if you guys don't know who I am, my name is Sam, aka Just Casual, I'm going to be the host of this podcast. Here I have with me two guests from the org. We got first Nate, aka Hood Jigsaw, or Hood. Hello. And then we got Lucas, aka Loms.
1: Hey. Hey guys, how you guys
2: doing? We're
1: doing good. We're how good. are you? Well?
0: Excited? Excited for this podcast? Yeah. Yes.
2: It's gonna be hype. It should be constructive and and definitely interesting. No Plenty flame. Plenty of salt. No, no flame. No, <laughs> no salt. Flame. It's gonna be completely <laughs> no nice. No I savage.
0: Yeah. So we have an exciting topic. Uh, like we said, we we're talking about the amateur scene, which is just not doesn't get too much uh, exposure. And there's a lot of things going around in the East, uh, the amateur scene. So yeah, it's going to be really exciting. You guys are both involved in the League of Legends scene, correct? Yep. Yes. So that should be interesting. But let's go into this. Um, let's start with Hood. Um, why don't you introduce, introduce yourself and tell us what you do for the organization and how you got to where you are today?
2: Okay. Uh, hi, my name is Hood Jigsaw. Uh, I am currently a coach for every sports team one. Uh, I got involved with every esports because I was hopping around a lot of amateur organizations in the past. I used to play the game kind of semi-professionally. I was playing at a pretty high elo, and I got hit up by one of my friends, and he was like, "Hey, would you like to coach one of my teams?" And I agreed to it, and it was a horrible team. I think it was like a plat three <laughs> team, and so we were kind of just sitting there losing every single game. And eventually, I was just like, "Okay, maybe this isn't going to work out." So, But I really like the concept of being able to coach or do analyst work for a team. So I actually hit up a bunch of other people. And I used to do video editing in the past. And someone that I video edited with was like, hey, I'm going to start a team. I have a lot of money. So let's do this. And they created a team called Team Checkpoint. And I did editing for them mainly, but they actually got me on as like an analyst slash coach position because the coach wasn't very vocal. Mm-hmm. So he was, very, he was a smart person, but he wasn't very vocal. So I basically took on the role of, being the analyst and being very vocal about what, what the team did well and what they didn't do well. And eventually we went to Canada uh, Canada Dreamhack and won the League of Legends competition there. I think Ooh. it was like te- like 10k, 20k uh, prize pool. Nice. And then the owner kind of screwed us and sold <laughs> the team to CLG. And they oh. became CL Aca- uh, CLG Black, which is now CLA uh, Counter Logic Academy. So that team with the exception of one player who is now sub on that roster, uh, got sold to CLG, and now the starter for the CLG main team is the jungler that we used. And so I've hopped around the amateur scene a lot, but that's probably, like, my biggest stepping stone. And I moved to every Esports trying to help a lot of my friends Kind of improve in different organizations and the first one didn't work out but i stuck with the organization and it's been going pre- pretty
1: decently so far
0: wow that's quite a journey so how about uh how about you lucas what's up with
1: you? uh so hi i'm lucas I'm a, I'm a junior college over at umass Amherst, and uh how i got like into like esports, i guess was uh i play soccer and as you get older, it gets more and more competitive, and I can't hang with, like, the the D3 college kids. They're too good for me. So, uh, so League was a way to, like, keep getting that competitive drive, like, out of me. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I played... Usually, I just play with my friends, you know, like, Plat, like, Low Diamond, and uh, and then, like, six months ago, I joined this org called Olympus, and... Uh, we had like a a decent team and then like our support left and team fell apart but the support got me in to Ever Esports because he knew Ever. Uh, so I was a player. Hood coached me. Uh, and after like a month, I couldn't do it anymore. I just got super burnt out and I ended up moving to like more of a manager position for the team. And then like a, a week ago or something, uh, I was talking with Ever and was asking me to coach the second team, so I oh, took that. Okay. I don't have the C L G experience like Hood. <laughs> I, I definitely have more of like a traditional background in uh in sports, but yeah, that's that's about it for me.
0: Okay, cool. So you both basically coach two separate league teams under Ever Esports, right? Yeah. Okay, so why why are there two league teams under Ever?
2: If I can go. So basically, the goal of that, and we tried to do this before we had two teams and Ever didn't like the way it worked out, but it was mostly because of the player base and the lack of direction. But what we wanted to do with that is with teams like Team Liquid, with CLG, people that have a sister team under them. What they tend to do is if they're matching in skill level they will pit them against each other so instead of scrimmaging other teams they would scrimmage each other Mm -hmm. that way you're able to keep all of your strategy within the organization itself everything that you're doing and it also gives you a controlled environment where instead of playing a scrim where you have to do a legitimate pick and ban where you have to do a b c and d we're able to create situations like tell one team okay you're going to be playing these five uh, champions and another team you're going to be playing this five let's see how you guys play it out And so it gives us a more controlled environment to be able to cultivate experience in different situations oh okay that's kind of what
1: also it keeps the subs hot you know like Mm. team two is more like the sub roster uh so if we ever need subs we, we want to keep them active in a competitive environment so having a team for them is probably the best way we can do that
0: all right interesting okay so uh how is that looking? Did you guys say that uh, Team 2 is still like figuring out its rosters?
1: Yeah, so for Team 2, we're, we have four finalized players. We're just looking for a mid laner, and we're down to two right now. So uh, probably Monday, we'll figure uh, out who we're going to take. In Team 1, we're looking for a jungler right now. We have a couple applicants, so probably around Monday, we'll figure out that situation yeah. as well.
0: Okay, so it sounds like both the teams are actually pretty fairly new then
2: uh yeah we're in a transition phase uh and it the, for team one everything's pretty set in stone but every player has had discrepancies with most junglers that we've brought into it if not hmm. one person just two three and then the current one i think three people had an issue with the jungler and so we're trying to find someone that is compatible with the team which is a little bit hard to find especially in the amateur scene to find someone that syncs well with sure uh specific team styles but it looks like we're actually on our way to be to finding one that actually actually works for the team
0: cool cool so uh eventually or yeah we will talk about the amateur scene a little more in depth and like just what's going on so to transition into that i wanted to ask how how can players that are looking to get into the league league amateur scene or i guess maybe and then the league pro scene how do they get into the amateur scene? how do they find these teams and
2: organizations that you guys are a part of so the biggest platform to getting into the amateur scene is one being good so when someone plays against you in a solo queue game or if you're spectating your team and you're looking for a, a like a jungler or an abc and you see someone who performs really well in a certain role you look them up on op.gg you look them up on LOL Nexus, and they have like 70 percent win rates on everything mm-hmm. and you want to find someone who's really good at the game and has a general understanding. So if you're at a master tier level and you have 70% win rates on every champion you play, then we're definitely going to look into you a lot more. And another one is active searching. You can't just be like I want to be found like that. It could happen. Like one of our players actually got uh an offer from a college, uh a okay. scholarship in in yeah, in Iowa and they they do find people like that, but the biggest ways to be proactive is to go onto forums, to go onto different Reddit's, and uh, find people that are like we're looking for A, B, C, and D, or even actively search out prof- competitive players in the amateur scene and be like, is there any organization that's looking for us? That's the easiest way to get into it. And if you're not looking, you're not gonna find it. Gotcha. Okay.
1: Yeah, just like knowing people in general is a really easy way to get in. That's why you see. A lot of the players in the amateur scene bounce around from org to org to org because it's like a it's like a web, and if you know someone on the other side of the web, they'll come take you. Like it, I don't know. It's it's like almost all connection based in the amateur scene.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think I mean a lot of that, just the whole esports scene in general. Even up on the professional esports, a lot yeah. of things are about connections, and it's it's such a new new thing. I think. When it's so new and when there's still like not a ton of people available to do everything, knowing the right people are really really important. It's helped me a lot, Absolutely. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This stuff. All right, so um I'm just gonna just throw out a general, it's a very general, vague question, and we'll we'll start with hood. So what what do you what is your opinion on the current state of the amateur scene for League of Legends?
2: current stay of the amateur scene for League of Legends, it's yeah. definitely... I, I can't think of another word for it uh, other than clown fiesta. It's mm. definitely... It's a different scene. It's not like, you know, even within acting business, like show business, stuff like that, you would expect expect it to be similar because it's like the gaming industry. You have to be have a certain set of skills to even get noticed. Mm-hmm. But with the amateur scene, it's a lot more, like Lucas said, who you know and how you either utilize or even abuse that. So there are a lot of people who just know someone and an organization or is really close to someone in an organization that gets a a position that they can't fill. So if I were to give a bronze four person a coaching job, which we have seen, uh we we've seen a bronze four coach a diamond team and do kind of pick ban and all that stuff, but does it at a very at a bronze four level. Mm-hmm. And so this guy is clearly unqualified to be teaching a high diamond team, but he's there doing it because he knew someone that was in the organization who was like, yeah, no one else is filling that role. You should do it. And so the current amateur scene is filled with people like that, where if you know someone, you'll just get in. And it's made for the amateur scene to be looked on more of as a joke than anything because if go ahead go ahead finish up yeah so if you see someone uh who's coaching a team like at that caliber if you see like a challenger team even being coached by like a diamond player it definitely takes away the credibility of the team Mm -hmm. like it could be the challenger players are just really good it doesn't even have to be like the coach the analyst or if you're in a managerial position but you have no clue what you're doing you're not an organized person but you just got that job because you're friends with the owner or something and you just get placed in those positions that you're not good at then the organization gets looked on as more of a joke than anything. And I think that's one of the biggest problems and that's what the current state is like.
0: Okay, so how, how do you fix that? Because my, my thought is that's happening because there's not enough people to do that. I could be completely wrong. Like you might not be able to uh, find someone high elo enough to maybe coach for free, for example. Like a lot of this stuff
2: yeah. is done for free, right? In the amateur scene. Mm-hmm. All of it. All of it. All of it is definitely done for free. I think. Okay. So for me, I guess the biggest example I'll I'll use for Team One, we have a top laner, Mm Serrano, and he is a real life friend of mine that I I use. I I used to hang out with for like four or five years, and he was gold for about six months ago. I want to say seven months ago. Seven months ago, and he hit me up one time. He was like, "Hey, do you want to play like some games together?" And I was like, "Okay." And I didn't think much of it. We were just playing normal games. And then I looked at him topside. I was like, wow, this guy's really mechanically good at the game. Mm-hmm. He knows how to play, like, the champions he plays. He's really good like that. But he had no game knowledge. He had no macro knowledge about, like, warding. He didn't know how to ro- rotate. He would always TP to lane only. Oh, and no. <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was It was really irritating to watch. And so I was like, listen, I'll talk to you, and we can work something out. And now he's Diamond 2 wow. on our team. And so I brought him on with the with the notion that he's constantly looking to improve. He's mechanically good. He listens to someone who's telling him how to do something, and he improves. So from Gold 4 to Diamond 2, that's such a significant jump. Mm-hmm. And so I'm putting him in because he's qualified. And so the best thing to fix it is to be unbiased. So for me, the only bias I have is that I know him. But I also show every single time I told Ever I was like, he'll show up. He'll do really well mechanically he'll do his part in the game, and he does it every single time. Mm-hmm. And that can't be said for every other player on the team. And that's kind of the biggest issue where you're just taking people because either you know them or you want to just kind of get a team together immediately, and you're not thinking about it. But I've done I, – I was working with John for seven months, and previously I've known him for five years. So just personality-wise, we synced, and I knew his limits and how he can grow. So just – an unbiased opinion about things. Not just doing things for the sake of doing things, but bringing people on because they have credibility, or if they have the skill to match whatever we need.
0: Gotcha. Anything
1: as for... Yeah, as for like, how you fix it, I think a huge problem with the amateur scene right now is there's no organization. In, in the actual orgs, there's no organization. Between orgs, there's no organization. Riot does nothing to really help the amateur scene prosper. So I, I guess to fix that, like God forbid I say this, but the amateur scene the amateur org should be working together to mm-hmm. try and like make a, something like an LCS league where it's like it's really competitive. You see that a little bit with like IEL and like IPL, but if you really had like the orgs come together and try and facilitate like a professional environment, it would be such a better way to grow the amateur scene. But all the orgs, except every esports uh, are, uh, are extremely selfish. I mean, they, they will step on your goddamn neck to get a penny. You know what I mean? They, they couldn't give a damn about each other. And I think that's something that will plague the, or, or the amateur scene until the owners and, and the actual people in the orgs leave. You know, I don't think, or, or they, they have a sudden change of heart. Sure. Um, but I think that that's something that is always going to plague the scene. Always. Do you
0: know if there's greed. been conversations about that to try to have that happen?
2: Uh, They've, they've tried. There, there's yeah. a lot of organizations that come together. Like I know uh, Solaris Esports definitely tries to reach out to people. They actually had a, a a player go to the pro scene, Mike Young, who is now on Phoenix 1. But Solaris definitely tries to reach out to other organizations, and there are some other orgs that make their own, like Upsurge, um, Phoenix League, stuff like that. They're trying to make their own leagues, but it's becoming so separate that it's kind of like these individual orgs making a league and a bunch of just random teams. It doesn't even have to mm-hmm. be an organization. It's, it could just be five guys that want to play a game, and that's exactly. kind of the unstructure that we're seeing. Yeah, so, there's no structure at all. Yeah, So instead of having an organization do it, like Riot said, they were going to help the amateur scene. I don't know exactly how they're going to do that, especially <laughs> because that, that would mean they have to take a list of all the significant organizations. They would have to get like maybe top 20 uh, organizations that have kind of like marketable qualities and then put that together. I don't know if they're going to actually put the effort into doing that, mm-hmm. but definitely there has to be an outer source. That's creating the, these tournaments. Because we're so biased as organizations. Again he's saying we're selfish. Which is so true. That organizations just want to benefit themselves. And they want to market themselves. They don't want to bring anyone else into it. They don't want to be like. Yeah we have a tournament. But other organizations helped us make it. They just want to be like we made this tournament. So like come to our league. And yeah. improve like with our community. And so it becomes very split. So I think definitely an outer source. It doesn't even have to be right. It could just be some form of dedicated organization that gives us that kind of it, mm. like
1: it, I really like how the major league uh, baseball scene does it you know they have the pro league they have uh, triple A double A That's single cool. A and then from then on there's other like there's the college leagues, leagues there's like Cape Cod league there, there's so many different uh, leagues but they're all organized under relatively the same idea okay. so If Riot steps in and they start making, like right now we have LCS in Challenger Series, there should be something below Challenger Series, there should be something below that and something before that. It it should be structured. Because once, if you only have two major leagues that are getting streamed and sponsored by Riot, uh, it just makes everything under that uh, a fucking clown fiesta. And that's exactly what is happening now, you know, uh, not to say structure again, but that there's extremely limited structure in, in the uh, esports scene, amateur scene, at least.
0: Sure. So another question I have is like, what what is the goal of your amateur, your amateur teams? Is it to, because one thing I see is like, and you mentioned this hood, that like you create a good team, you like coach these players individually and as a team, and then one of them gets picked up in the LCS, mm-hmm. and then you lose it, and yes. then suddenly your team gets like, you lose someone, and that drops you down a notch unless you can find a really good replacement, and something okay. you still have to make sure they fit. Like you said, you had troubles finding a jungler that fit the whole team because it's not a yeah. one versus one game; it's a five versus five, right?
2: Yeah. So the concept of that, and I don't know if it's. Very well. No, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. I don't think think it's a shady thing, so I'm just going to say it. There's something called player wrangling, which is basically someone having... It's kind of like a casting director for acting, where there's one person who's dedicated to finding the right person for the job. Whether that be like, oh, hey, we need an actor who can fill like A, B, C, and D, so we want players to do that. So player wrangling is basically someone who has the intuition to find the right players for a team, and you Mm -hmm. have to know what you want. Uh, within that team, you need communication, you need a very proactive play, you need someone who's willing to learn, etc. Et very basic things. But player angling getting that team together, and then you have something called player farming, which is basically you're cultivating the future of LCS. Because some of the players, like if you looked in the past, like a couple years ago, like if you look at I Will Dominate, I'm a cutie pie, Dyrus, these guys are all retired. Now they're on Delta Fox, but they're a failing NACS <laughs> uh, team. And it they. They are no longer the prime time players. There's so many younger up-and-comers coming up. Contracts. He was 16, 17 when he joined LCS. There's so many younger players coming, like 18 years old, like you have Darduk, The the rookies that are coming in are way younger on, on the spectrum. So you have to be up with that time and you have to be farming players, cultivating for the future of LCS. You can't just leave these has-beens and, and formerly good players to that. So the goal is to be able to get players and then... Farm them, cultivate their experience, and eventually, possibly, give them away to like an NAcs org or an LCS org because that gives your organization exposure. Because with Mike Young, oh, okay. Solaris got a lot of Solaris got a lot of uh, flack for that because they're like, "Wow, this great jungler went on to Phoenix One and he, he came out. He was just like a rising star in the LCS, and he came from this amateur organization, Solaris." And so you want to be doing that because until the amateur organization gets something like the the Major League Baseball tiers of tournaments and uh structured style we have to just cultivate players and that's how we're gonna get our most marketable value is to be able to say oh hey that guy where where do you start and he's like oh well i started with ever esports and that's how you brand with interesting league in particular i don't know if it's the same thing for other i assume it is but just specifically for league that's how we look at it
0: gotcha cool so uh, we're gonna jump into some discussion topics, uh, moving a little bit out of the amateur scene, but probably still winking at it and talking about it. Um, let's see, Lucas, you want to start? You have something that you want to bring up that we can talk about?
1: Oh shit, dude! <laughs> Put me on the spot. Oh, uh, I'm ready.
0: Yeah. He's stretching and everything.
1: <laughs> uh, I guess uh, I was actually talking to you uh, about this before the podcast started, but attitudes of players uh, in the amateur scene. Uh, how, how do I say this? Um, for the most part, the the players have like no actual appreciation, and this isn't our org or, I mean, you see it in our org, but any other org I've interacted with players or anything like that, there's no actual like respect or appreciation for what like the coaching staff does or anything like okay. that. In even even their own teammates, there's none. There's like none of that, and. Super demotivating as a coach to see. <laughs> yeah. What are the what are see? the
0: ages you guys are dealing with? Uh, Sixteen s- to twenty-one.
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's probably the, the, the bracket.
0: I'm guessing that's pretty standard amongst like most orgs too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. It, it typically doesn't breach above twenty-three. If you're breaching twenty-three in amateur org, you need to find a job. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's too late. Salt. Like at that point, it's possibly a little too late. But um. Yeah, attitudes of players is definitely an issue, I think, unless you have a lot of credibility. So like if faker or like coma walked into the room right now and told them you need to do A, B, C, and D, they're gonna be like, Oh snap, it's freaking coma or it's faker. Mm-hmm. But with us, like I do have like a little more backing, which is why I think possibly some of the the players either fear or respect me a little <laughs> bit more. But with uh, with other players, like with Lucas, who went from being a player to a coach, or even with like people that I'm trying to get onto the analyst decks. Currently, we have a Ryan who used to be the jungler for Team One. They get a very hard lack of respect, where they are not listened to during pick and f- ban, pick and ban phase. They're not listened to after game when we're talking about what went wrong when we're trying to review. It's just discounted. Mm -hmm. a lot of the words that they said and if i listen to it it makes sense so they're saying you should have done this 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 and this and i'm like yeah that's something that i would have said that's something that that makes sense for them to improve on but just because either like oh you're d5 or you were a player on this org before or you're not good enough in my eyes it's discounted, and that's a horrible attitude to have as a player. Your attitude should be you want to learn. So even if that bronze for coach is telling you something, if it's something that you know is correct, like oh ward, before you overextend in a lane, mm-hmm. like you listen to that because you're like oh that makes sense. So you have to listen to what's being said. You can't just look at the person and be like everything they say is bullshit because of their elo or their current status in the organization.
1: Uh, I think I think it stems from a lack of traditional sports. Uh, background Mm -hmm. I mean Hood can probably speak to it a little bit more than I can but most of the players I've interacted with have extremely limited traditional sports background and the way the way you like learn respect and and like learn to appreciate the people taking time out of their day to like try and help you is from like little league and like the when you're like six or seven and you're working with your coaches in like soccer and if you don't have that background and then you come to, like, the amateur scene and you're, like, 16, 17, and you're... What, what I, I see, at least, is... all Like, the player's emotions are, like, extremely raw. Like, mm-hmm. they don't know how to control their feelings and they don't know how to be a teammate. And they don't know how to reach out when they need help. Like, that's all cultivated when you're... Like in traditional sports from an early yeah. age, and when that's missing, it it just turns a team into hell, honestly.
2: <laughs> Cause, yeah, because I know for Lucas, he did he did soccer uh, back in the day, and uh, that's definitely a team game. You have to trust your team. It's to like you know pass the ball or like mm-hmm. be able to cover you if you're if you're being guarded by over two people. And I used to do a little bit of basketball. I was on like a water polo team. I did kickboxing at one time. So like a lot of what's lacking with esports players for sure is the blood sweat and tears type thing where yeah for 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 like wrestling i wasn't a part of the wrestling team but i just ran like did exercises with the wrestling team because i liked it but like it was just you would run for six miles and then you do just 10 cardio circuits and you would have to like go on this diet like lose water weight for the weigh-ins etc etc and so just all that stuff you learn That you have to be very humble, and you have to work hard, and that hard work gets you somewhere. But for esports, I could be on my computer right now. You, I'm playing a game. I'm just clicking around, and I could rage quit a game. Mm -hmm. I'm 0-2. My team sucks. I'm flaming them. I could just get up, go get some food, come back, and restart. Like There's no integrity in esports. There's no real motivation to say so if you're on a team even. So if that's just correlating with a game, if you're on a team, you could do the same thing. You're playing, you're playing the game, you lose it, you're just like, eh, whatever, I don't care. And so that's one of the biggest attitude problems, is that they don't have that kind of integrity. They don't know how much work you have to really put in. Like for me, I've put almost, I want to say 8,000 hours into this game. Whether that be <laughs> me watching the game, playing the game, watching other people play the game. And that's just the, the experience that I've cultivated there. And so to be able to build off from that, I'm just, I know how much work it takes to be that good. To, yeah. to get to a point where i'm like yeah i could i can play this game at such a good level and i know how to play it with with a team i know to do the competitive but these players don't have that because a lot of them haven't played on a team let like an esports team let alone a team in general and so that's something that you can teach but it's a lot harder when it's over the internet yeah like it's a lot harder to tell a player who can just mute you, you know? <laughs> you're like you need to work on abc and they're like and so you you lose a lot of that integrity uh, yeah. through through the online players.
0: Yeah, I mean, even though League is a first of all, these players are coming in with like probably a huge high ego. They're like, "Hey, I I got, I'm really good. I'm 16, and <laughs> I'm like, oh, I could probably beat Jensen, or I beat him in lane once or something in solo queue, and then exactly. you come into a team environment and like solo queue." There's different methods to climb, right? You could be just like mechanically really good. Maybe your macro is really good. Maybe you're really good, su- like supportive style. But either way, you no matter what your way of climbing is, there's this point of selfishness you have to bring into solo queue. Yeah. And taking that and being really good at that and then pulling it into a team environment where you may not have traditional sports like that blood, sweat, and tears, that camaraderie, because you're not getting camaraderie in your solo queue games. Um, yeah. I could totally see it just being in a mindset that you've been in for six months two years or whatever five years being like i'm a god and people need to listen to me and who yeah. is this person telling me what to do and like you said like you go into a game you want to rage quit but you're actually playing on a team now you can't do that and you get someone like dardoch that's just like let's just hurry up and surrender or like
2: yeah it's just yeah. oh it's and the yeah. the player mentality that i want to cultivate and the things that i've tried it's very small things and there's only so much you could do over the internet but as of now i really want to get my team together i really want to get the amateur scene together so with most teams like when they're like i don't know what to do with my players they're not communicating with each other i don't even know if they like each other or not Mm -hmm. i was like play other games together Mm because you're you guys you guys are already cultivating over a game you guys are you guys are playing league of legends as a competitive game and for me when i was solo queuing a lot when i got pissed off i went to a different game i I would like play chess or something like that that's a little bit of a weird game, <laughs> uh, like so. I, I would do something else, and so for me, like uh, recently, PUBG, like Player Unknown's mm-hmm. Battlegrounds, We've been, I've been trying to play that with a lot of my players. I've been trying to bring uh, our mid laner into it, our top laner, our jungler. Like I've been trying to get everyone to play a different game, and specifically games where you have to talk to each other. So for PUBG, if you're not talking to each other, you're most likely dead. And okay. so, it really, I'm trying to build that trust outside of the game. So that when you do go into the game, you can rest assured that you're trusting your teammate. Like you, because you want to be comfortable with them on all spectrums of life. You want to be comfortable outside, like maybe with your personal life. You're like, oh, dude, I feel really bad. I had a bad day today. You can trust your teammates to say that mm-hmm. instead of just like, I had a bad day. I'm gonna perform crap in our team in our five competitive game. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm gonna leave and just sit there. <laughs> sure. So in, so yeah.
1: In, interestingly enough, uh, Dirk. Uh, Nervinsky, uh, I butchered his name from the Mavericks. Uh, they did this like vice documentary of uh, his coach back in his—I forget what where he's from. But basically, his entire coaching style was: you bring in other sports and you really create like a team bonding exercise. So mm-hmm. like, the basketball players were playing like soccer. Or, like, they were playing tennis, and you saw, like, the team bonding. And when it came down to, like, game time, people were just going as hard as they could for themselves and for their teammates. And I think that's something that lacks in, in the scene in general is, like, you, at the end of the day, you're playing for yourself. You know what I mean? There's no, like, player pride in the org or with your teammates, you know? If the org disrespects you, you're going to leave. You know, there's so many other teams out there. So uh, I definitely think that that like the playing other games is like a great technique to really build relationships, especially online where like I can't go out and like party with Hood. You know what I mean? So I can go play Pug G. Basically <laughs> yeah, the same thing. Exactly, exactly. So.
2: so yeah, it's definitely a method that that I wanna get working. It has improved, you know. It, I I know relations between our top laner Serrano, and our mid laner crypt has improved a lot just because they play games together. So we started with them playing pubg together and initially Crip was kind of just like i don't want to play league with anyone it's whatever i'll solo queue but more recently they after playing a lot of pubg just the two of them they started duo queuing together Mm -hmm. and so like that that's just uh indicative of what it can do like the power of just talking outside of game not just being oh this is just another face just having that actual communication and that friendship that you would have in real life with your players. Like, I want to I build yeah. that. So I definitely think that's a really good method of uh, of approach.
0: Cool. All right. Um, okay. Hud, do you have a discussion question to talk about? Um,
2: yeah. Uh, I guess one of the biggest topics that I wanted to discuss was, as I mentioned before, there are a lot of kind of unqualified people in the esports industry. And I feel like 90% of it is because there's no real vetting process for it. Like, you know, when you become a part of the government, there's a vetting process. When mm-hmm. you get a job, the, there's a vetting process. There's an interview process. And a lot of that isn't done. So for us, like, our our current league vetting process is you play a couple games with us. If you do really well, we hand you off to Ever. I don't know what happens there. And then they're a part of the org. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs>
0: there's hazing done by ever.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and then but but that's it. That's that's all we get. And so when people just randomly leave the org, it's really hard to understand why. Mm. Because they 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 get this certain maybe demotivation and they have no real reason to stay. And so for for us we're getting possible unqualified players. Like just through the fact that we're not really going through an intensive vetting process. And that's on all of us for not, you know, not really looking into it. Like all we look at op.gg. Three games. That's it, and we don't really look at a whole lot. So we need to increase that, and at the same time, it's also just giving players a reason to stay in the org. Sure. You know, because because at at this in the current, and I know there's a lot of things in the work that none of us really know what's happening, or <laughs> not we're not really kept in the loop about it. But I know there's a lot of things like uh, they there's talk about like a website, there's talk about like a merchandise shop, stuff like that. But we mm-hmm. haven't really gotten. We haven't reaped the benefits of that in in many 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 months and we're putting kind of this work in and not getting as much out of it and the current only current motivation is to win tournaments like they're like we need you guys to win tournaments get first place on everything which is hard because (laughs) most of the amateur organizations have like one challenger at at least if not more Uh and then on top of having one challenger or more they have teams that have been together for like months if not years and so, going, pitting our team who just got here against their team, it's really hard to look and have the staff be disappointed in us when we shouldn't be expected to be steamrolling at anyone sure, anytime sure. soon. And so, like, our motivation, I think the only thing that we have right now is we get 10% more of whatever we win in tournaments. But if we win zero tournaments because they just have better players or we're just not, you know one the staff gets blamed for it like the coaches will get blamed for it like you're not coaching well enough there's like a thing here when there's mm-hmm. an obvious skill gap in time gap and so we'll get kind of flame for that like you guys aren't good <laughs> enough coaches like step up your game and then we don't get anything out of it so these people are putting in all this work just to lose at like the finals that happened last week we 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 won like eight nine games right yep. in a row just to get to the finals Holy and get... crap. Stomped, absolutely. And so it doesn't matter that we won those eight nine games. It mm-hmm. just matters that we didn't win the first place game. So we get zero out of it after putting a whole day's worth of work into it, and we get flamed on top of that. Like, come well, on, guys! You guys should be winning these games. Like, Why didn't and we and win? And together. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's kind of what what comes out of the that kind of. Organization, which is why a lot of players aren't motivated to stay, mm-hmm. and then that bleeds into a lot of qualified players leaving, and staff members leaving, and us getting even more unqualified players. And That's I don't know true. if you heard in the past, like one of our biggest unqualified people, there is a character named Soul, who ha- happened to be a part of previous organizations in the past. He was a big Street Fighter player, but he decided he wanted to coach an orc. So when we had two teams in the past, it was me coaching the. main roster and him coaching like what was supposed to become another main roster but he was so bad at coaching he had no clue what he was doing and even during the games while they were playing games he was looking at another screen playing street fighter or playing another game he wouldn't even watch the game he would just listen to comms Mm -hmm. so he had zero qualifications to be a coach and yet he wanted all the benefits of being a coach. I remember I recall him messaging with an ultimatum to ever saying, if I don't get this, 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 and this, I'm leaving the org. And everyone's was like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, Bye. <laughs> I mean, go for it. But yeah, like, it's it's stuff like that because I think that ever brought him into the organization saying like, oh, this guy's good. Like he'll, mm-hmm. he'll do good for our team. And so it's a lack of research, uh, maybe a little too much trust and not as much objective looking at, at situations that that te- tears orgs down because now we have it, it's come up in a couple of our tours like hey aren't you that organization that had that crazy guy <laughs> oh really kind of it yeah like they, they bring him up they're like aren't you the guys who had that really unqualified player and that and that bleeds badly into an org uh-huh. and it's even worse when you're like oh you didn't have that player last week. It's like, yeah, because we had to like switch players. The guy left the org, or like they're mm-hmm. they're not good enough. blah but and and that reflects badly on us, the teams that have been together for, for months and years years coming forward.
0: So, but this this isn't just a problem with this org. It's this is like universal, F- right? So F- oh, yeah, the org. It's, yeah, F- yeah. So do so is it like? Do you think it's a supply thing? Are there just not enough people to qualified people? I think it's more of a luck thing.
2: 'Cause okay. typically with, with even with team checkpoint, the team that I work with, this this was our process. Look at the challenger ladder. Oh hey, that guy's number one. Is he on a team? He's not on a team. Is he toxic? Not that we know of. Like we talked to sources. Is he good at the game? He's good at the game. So back in the in season six, Fallen Bandit, who was who became our top player, was number one in NA for about three months. Mm-hmm. Wow! and so we were just like oh this guy's not even on a team that's crazy and so now fallen bandit like when we took him in that's kind of how we looked at it. and then we went down from there and so obviously i doubt that uh everyone would want to do that because we actually did pay them we, we, we gave them like a, a short a short flat salary for an acs stuff like that or oqs mm-hmm. and stuff like that so um giving them that flat value is not cheap it's like you know thousands of dollars uh On on the line for it, and so we have to settle for even lower quality players. So we're looking at the the diamond scene. If you look at D1, there are tons. There are tons. Does not mean they're qualified. Sure. Not mean that they're good. It's not a lack of supply. It's a lack of being able to pick out the good ones. Because you don't know. You look at ranks. You look at win rate. You don't know if they're toxic. Mm Because in like in challenger scene, it's a lot easier because the challenger players typically only play with the challenger players. So, you just ask challenger players that you know, have you played with him? Is yeah. he good? Does he play well in lane? Is he toxic? But when you're in Diamond One, you're like, have you played with this? Like, I've never seen that name before in my life. <laughs> like, like, that's the most common thing, you know? And so, like, it's either you guys improve and get to a challenger level, like these people that are working for free. Like, currently, we have a couple of people that are in Master. And we're like, Either you guys get to a challenger level so that we can encourage other challengers to come on for free. Or we get stuck with these people that we have no clue if they're good or not, and so it's just trial and error. Everything's luck, right? Yeah. In the in, in esports, and I know that we want to be working. Like I know there was talk about making, like for the amateur scene, making like a a yellow pages, mm-hmm. so you can see like, yeah. oh, they, these guys are blacklisted for being super toxic, or or they int every single game. They'll wow. AFK if you if you give first blood stuff like that, and then you have like the white list. Oh, these guys are really good. They've been known to be good, but they're freelancers, like they're free agents looking for
0: teams. So we need a Tinder for League of Legends diamond. One. Basically, guys. basically, you no. swipe well, left, swipe idea. right. <laughs> uh, it,
2: it it should be yeah. It's a very similar thing where you just want an algorithm of people that would be good for your team. You're like I have this may qualifications. Like I I hit D1 like, and other people can give you like some kind of review. Like oh yeah, he's not toxic. I played with him like ten out of ten experience. Right now, League has like an honor system. So if you had that, and Riot were actually to store all of that information, who gets honored, mm. who gets reported, and then you put that out onto like a a dedicated site or an app or something like that, that would I think that would be crazy beneficial, just mm. to see what they got. Like, oh, this guy stayed cool all these games. This guy shot called amazingly all of these games. You know, this guy was just a really good player. Like, I don't, I feel like these honors shouldn't just be like a medal. I feel like that could be used
1: effectively, and that's just an example of what it could be. Sure.
0: Got anything to add to that, Lucas?
1: Um. So Hood was attacking more of like the player side of it. Uh, for me, I mean, when I when I was on Olympus, uh, I I dealt a lot with the staff, and I can tell you, the the staff is arguably worse. Cause at least the players hit like D one to make the team or whatever. The staff, <laughs> it is just. The most random thing I can think <laughs> of in this like I'm not even joking if you're friends with the CEO you can get in like hundred mm. percent regardless if you have any communication skills if you have any qualifications as long as you're friends with him you're you're, g- you're gonna be like a general manager or something it's so random yeah. uh, and it, it plagues all the organizations and uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's just... It is very peculiar, because I've never been in a scene like this, where no one, except for like three or four people on an org, know what the fuck's happening. Like, actually, it it is... It is confusion, it's miscommunication, it's incompetence, it's fighting over dumb things, it's all of it just cultivated into an organization. And it's not just Olympus... It's not every esports. It is all of them. Actually, all of them. Yeah. So and
2: we actually had a problem the other day with uh, our Discord servers. We were having a a discussion leaked. about <laughs> we we're having the discussion about whether to have a public Discord server or a private one. And there's uh-huh. a lot of reasons why a public one would be beneficial. It's just like Every, you know, how most organizations, like if you look at Immortals C9, like they have that kind of dedicated Discord server where they put their announcements, they have announcements, they have the different like pages, they have like the roster on the side, and then just the community a community that can look and see, oh, hey, we're playing a game right now, blah, blah, blah. And not everyone's like integrated into Facebook, not everyone's integrated into Twitter, you know, like that's not everyone's go to, but. A lot of people like in the gaming industry need to communicate and skype's becoming obsolete now that discord's getting screen sharing and video Goodbye. yeah and so and so goodbye bad sound goodbye bad audio and hello uh discord forever but uh like discord's being used more and more as a platform team becoming obsolete because you have to pay for servers and mm-hmm. discords is free like skype had video sharing and screen sharing but now that's going to be obsolete because of discord so a lot of people are going to be moving to that and so to make that public and be like hey you guys are gamers. The main form of communication is through this. Why not just join our Discord server and keep up with all of our stuff? And so, like, even for players and stuff like that, they, they say, oh, we want to keep it private so that all of the players and, like, staff are up to date. We don't put anything in the Discord. <laughs> like, no one puts anything into the Discord, so we don't know what's happening. And the only reason we kind of know what's happening is, like, a Twitter chat that only, like, 18 people are in. Eighteen. Oh, Maybe much. less. It's so less. hard to keep track of, though, yeah, too. Exactly, and there's so many different, like, I, I Twitter chat with some of the people I edit for, I Twitter chat with some of my fans, I Twitter chat with some, like, just random friends, and it becomes so difficult to maintain that, whereas on a Discord server, like, you have a, di- I, I look, I see the every esports circle, I click on it, I look, and I see a notification, and I'm like, okay, what what can I read through that? I do that pretty much every day for the League of Legends, or for our every esports Discord, and mostly it's yep. just kind of, like, it could be just YouTube videos or opie.gg links and stuff mm-hmm. like that but it's still relevant information and so if we were to open that up to the public we could say hey we're streaming right now or hey we have a we have a streamer here who wants to play with this fans come join hangout and we can give you an opportunity to do that it, it gives fans heavy interaction sure and so like to give them that kind of publicity but we that that aside like we had that argument and and the consensus was, that we would give opportunities for friends of the org to join the discord and then the next day when we try to implement that he was everyone was like what are you talking about (laughs) i didn't say that and we got so we it was this hour-long like debacle that should have never happened but that's kind of the miscommunication they get in org because only like one person knows what's happening even if you talk to our current general manager and the ceo they were just like i have no clue what's going on yeah, our our, our like uh, our general manager was like, yeah, he doesn't tell me a whole lot, and our CEO was like, I just got here and I I don't know anything, <laughs> and so like we no one everyone's in the dark, no one knows exactly what's happening. It's very like wishy washy, like what's happening. It's not straightforward, and and that kind of that that hurts an org, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, Although, it's not...
1: I I will say, for all, I definitely have gr- like things uh, wrong with every esports, but I can tell you. They are considerably better than a lot of the oh. other orgs out there. Like when I was working with Olympus, I'm not even joking. The CEO left for a month, didn't didn't say a goddamn word. Wait, just
2: dude, that happened with Divine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my so... god, that got... Yeah, he was just like, "I'm on vacation in Europe by," and I was like, "Okay, when are you coming back?" He was like, "I'm shutting down the org." Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um. So like,
1: there's definitely things wrong with every sports, but it. it should be mentioned i'm definitely still on the podcast so i gotta <laughs> mention every sports uh, no flame but like they we they they tried to cultivate the environment so we can put our input in accordingly and mm. implement it is it as good as it should be no but it's, it's a lot just, better it's
2: entirely miscommunication everything yeah. that every yeah. problem that's arisen has been frustration from miscommunication because yeah. it's over the internet. in it, like you don't like. I can type something exactly and make a joke, but it may not look like a joke because you don't have voice inflection. You you can't portray sarcasm over a text, right? So mm-hmm. some things I said are either misinterpreted or just completely misread, and that's one of the toughest things. So we we've also come to a consensus that whenever there's a big decision, get into a voice call because that's the simplest way to solve that's that. Sweet. Like to, to remedy that problem yeah. is to do that, but it's still. It still takes time, you know. It takes time out of people's day, it, it, and it's definitely a dedication thing. So, it we'll we'll see how that works. We haven't really implemented it yet, but we'll we'll definitely see how that works.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a tough thing because, like, you know, ever, I, I don't know about now, but he was working a full time job, and I think I think this. he still is still is. Yeah. And if unless you're, I mean, if you're a student, then you're doing school and then this. Yeah. If you're out in the workforce, graduated, you're either. lucky enough to just like crash at your parents place or something like that and just do this all day Um, but most likely you have a job and you're trying to do this or you have a family like i think um smoking dragon on the overwatch team he's like 30 or something like i think he has a family and a job and he's the team captain like everyone is balancing something so it's not there's a huge struggle with just like resources time and just like you have your work commitments and then you come home and deal with your Esports commitments and you lose track of things and organization, yeah, miscommunication—that yeah. all happens. Yep. No matter how hard you try.
2: Yeah, and I, yeah, I think that's one of the weaknesses of orgs is that like we're not mm. rich enough to pay people for jobs, but we still need the jobs to be covered. Which yeah. is like when, but when it's volunteer, when, when it's volunteer service, it's the quality definitely
1: decreases. Oh, it drops. If your motivation
2: hard. isn't high, like for me, I think me and Lucas, we have pretty high motivation for the team. Like, I, and I I work my job. And I'm about to go into college in about two weeks, so I'm, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to die. <laughs> but like, it's going to be
1: horrible, but
2: I, I do want to see it succeed, specifically because, I mean, the time that I've put into it. Like, I've put so much time into it. I have not, but to want it to succeed. I yeah. want, like, I, I, I would have left if I didn't see potential. Mm. But you see, like, when, when you see it, and especially as a player, like, I. Or not to brag, but like I've hit a higher point than any of these players have currently. Okay. And some of the players, I think I've hit a higher point than they ever will. And so I look at that and I still see that potential. I still see like they're like, regardless of what they think they can hit, they can always shoot for higher. They should mm-hmm. always like crave for higher. And you can ask players, like, even if they seem demotivated, they're just kind of like, I want to do better, I want to be the best. In the world i want to be best in america stuff like that i want to be the, the the best player in my role and for staff members like i know lucas wants to be a psychologist he wants to be like um like he wants to help people mentally with that and he does a really good job like he hits people up like he's very tolerant like even when people mess up sometimes <laughs> uh, i i've done it in the past other players it. have done it in the past and he's definitely one of the more most understanding people on the arc where he he will he will be quick to forgive and forget as long as you don't do it again as long as you don't you know as long as you make sure that you're making an effort to improve mm-hmm. and that's something that that is respectable and so just to, i see how hard a lot of the people are working and even if it's frustrating even if like you you want to kind of leave it's discipline that keeps yeah. you sitting there you know it's a lot of discipline and and you're self-reliant like independent saying i'm sitting here all my players are demotivated they don't want to play the game right now i don't want to play the game right now but we're gonna get up and play the game, mm-hmm. and and I hope and it's hard to reflect that towards like the owners and the general managers because they don't see that like emotional and internal struggle. But like I, I hope they see that it reflects when we do win, and the mentality completely switches. We're like you you guys did amazing, like you-, you guys did great, and you guys should feel good about yourselves because that's what we want. Even if even in loss, like we want them to be proud of themselves.
0: Sure, so. sure, yeah, I think so- um. For anyone that's listening to this, uh, like this is how anyone that wants to get into the esports, you know, we're in an industry that is really new. Like it's, it's, cra- it's crazy. It's a clown fiesta. Yeah. Even, yeah. even the professional esports scene, like that stuff is like going crazy right now too. Even with all like, it's gonna be interesting with all the professional organizations that are being like investing and being part of these esports orgs, like what they will do to help. Um, give the resources and the like the training and all those kind of things that we just really lack like if you want to get into that it's not just like you get a college degree and you go you put your blood sweats and sweat and tears you do things for free you like grind and the good thing to know is there's a lot of people that are bad at their jobs that you could do a better job if you come in as long as you're like willing to make that sacrifice and work a a side job at Panera or something and then like go home and Stay up until three in the morning, like coaching a team or like making graphics for a team or whatever. Like, the amateur scene is has so much availability for talent, whether it's players or for like organizational, managerial, whatever stuff, behind the scenes stuff. Like, you can totally do it. You just, yeah, a lot of people don't really know what it takes. They think it's going to be easy and fun. Also,
1: okay. Uh, Also, something that I've learned that's really valuable in this industry is being critical of who you work with, who you work for, and and Mm. the organization as a whole. I mean, I don't know. I'll I'll rewatch the podcast, but (laughs) it it may have sound like we're flaming like every sports and shit (laughs) like that. Like, possibly. If like, I would rather have, and I'm a coach, so maybe I don't have much say in it. But (laughs) I'd rather have like people who are critical and try to make the org better. Uh, than have people who just try and suck up and uh, <laughs> and go go along for the ride because yeah. there's definitely people in like all the orgs that are like that yeah you you definitely need to be like critical and say your opinion and state it uh, you, you shouldn't be scared of oh that sounds stupid you shouldn't be that scared of like the repercussions because yeah. uh, at the end of the day, if you're all working towards the same goal, it should be fine anyway.
2: Yeah, and and for most, like for me with my players, I think that one of the best things to be when you're when you're a head figure, right? Like I I I I step down. I'm not one of these high and mighty people who just I come in for the games, I play the games, or I watch them play the games. I tell them what they suck at and I leave. I watch the games. I tell them what they can improve on. I talk to them like it's a communication, like a back and forth. I'm not just like you need to do this. I'm like, what are you good at? What do you think you're good at? How do you play what you're good at and how can we improve that? And on top of that, like I go out of my way to just go play games with them. Like, hey, do you want to play a game together? Stuff like that. I want to make Mm -hmm. sure that they're comfortable and I want to, I want there to be kind of like a, a link, a connection. It shouldn't be this disconnect of like higher and lower. It should be, we, I have a position, you have a position. We need to work together to make those positions coincide and do it well. And i think that should be with any like whether you're an owner a ceo or a general manager you should have that connection with every single person that you're working with sure because at the end of the day you're not you're not the end all you're not the top you're a coworker. because mm-hmm. like lucas said you're all working towards the same goal and you have to understand that esports is ever growing like it's it's no pun intended um it's <laughs> it's a constantly growing industry And and there's going to be more room for it. Like the whole franchising thing that just got introduced. The 10 million that the these big orgs are going to be putting into it. That's 10 million for the pro scene, but just for esports in general. You look at the opportunities that are open for you in the amateur scene. The fact that you can go higher through the amateur scene makes it such a valuable experience to have. And the fact that it's growing. And if you have the mental determination for that, and also the humility. Like, cause if if. If I look at it, I, I could think, oh, I was I, I, I coached what is now CL, CLA, So I should be on an NACS team. You could think that. But then you also have to hold a humble mentality. Like that was the players as well. The players yeah. work with you, the coaches work with you, the owners paid for the trips, blah, blah blah. And so they put all of that effort into it. It's not just you. You're not you're not the end all of the skill level. And it should be the same with this organization. And I feel like it should be the same with all the organizations.
0: Cool okay I got a, I got a quick closing one for us a question what what advice would you give for anyone that wants to be a coach or an analyst for an organization
1: work hard remember what scene you're in and take people's opinions like or suggestions to a certain extent and remember at the end of the day that like as long as you want it you'll attain it you just need to keep the motivation to keep going because if you start losing that stop there's no reason to keep going hmm.
2: I think my, my only suggestion would or advice would be if, you're, if you are in the esports industry and you're not allocating over 70% of your life to to learning about it then you, <laughs> you're probably you're probably not fit for the esports industry because mm-hmm. if if not 100% like, cause you have to allocate some time to family, friends, like work, job, school, and I understand that. But if you, if it's a if it's a side hobby for you, or if it becomes a side hobby for you, just like drop it because it's not like there's no place for that, and it's gonna make the esports industry a lot worse. You have to be in. You have to be in for the win, or just prepared to take the fall. Because the- if you don't have that, if you don't have that effort put in, it's gonna fail really fast and you see that with a lot of people who kind of just want to dip their toes in but don't want to do it like with our 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 sole example or even with other organizations you'll see that just people who think that it's easy like you said people who think that the organization's easy that being in the esports industry is just a walk in the park it's not it's it's shady it's a lot of blood sweat and tears it's a lot of who (laughs) you know and how you know but that means you have to be a great communicator you have to be really good with people you have to be good at what you do and if you're not working hard towards that end then you're gonna get screwed for sure
1: you definitely gotta love it that i guess yeah. maybe that's the best suggestion yeah love you have it to love what you see do. see where it takes you, yeah, yeah. Cool. you, love what you do. all
0: right um with that yeah so let's just close out the episode uh do you guys want to share where people can find you on social media and stuff like that
1: sure at- oh okay uh you can, uh, oh, let me go look at my Twitter real quick. Make sure, <laughs> make sure you I don't got even it right. know? Dude, well,
2: this should be scripted in your brain. Uh, now.
1: you can, uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at, uh, EVR underscore LOMS, L O M B Z. Uh, and no, that, that's a, I don't want you guys having my Instagram. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's it.
2: Yeah, and for me, uh, my Twitter is hood underscore jigsaw. If you look up on Google Hood Jigsaw, my Twitch and YouTube are the first two things to come up there, so you can check nice. that out. Uh, I don't really have any more social media above that so
0: okay yeah and for me it's uh at just casual nine on twitter
2: instagram i think that's
0: basically it we got a youtube channel too you can find that i guess um but yeah all those links will be in the description if you guys want to find us and again uh this is the ever esports podcast the grind and uh check out Ever esports there what is it ever at ever esports gg Think it yep, is?
1: At Ever Esports, GG. I should uh, also know that off the top
0: of my head. <laughs> yeah. And if we you want to
1: follow our owner, it's uh, at the Clever Ever.
0: Yeah, at the Clever Ever. And uh, yeah, they have the, the YouTube channel. You can find these on there if you want to see the video podcast of this. Otherwise, we're on SoundCloud. Eventually, we'll get on iTunes and all the other podcast aggregators. But if you guys want any other topics to be covered, give a comment, tweet us out, or uh, tweet Ever out. And we'll get that we'll get that rolling for future episodes. So again, thanks you guys for coming, uh, Lucas and Hood. It's been Thank no you. Problem. a pleasure, it's been fun. And uh, that is it for episode two of the grind. See you guys uh next time, whenever that is. <laughs> next time. <laughs>